Hello there, weary traveler. Welcome to the inn. Sit, sit, rest your feet. Why, it's a long journey on the road to Tavalon. Have a cup of tea. Or maybe a frothy ale. The light. Why, you're just in time for the entertainment. Here are your hosts, Tracy and Amber. Tying the skirts of her brown wool dress up above her knees, she waded a little way into the river to fill her wooden bucket. The boys just waded in, not caring whether their snug breeches got wet. Some of the girls and boys filling buckets laughed and used their wooden dippers to fling water at one another, but Aguine settled for enjoying the stir of the current on her bare legs and her toes wriggling on the sandy bottom as she climbed out. She was not here to play. At nine, she was carrying water for the first time, but she was going to be the best water carrier ever. Aguine, the Ravens chapter, I don't even know what number that gets in the scheme of things. It's not even The Ravens chapter. Yeah, it's not even found in every copy of Eye of the World, so, but. Hello. Hi. (laughs) I'm here with my friend Tracy. (laughs) I'm here with my friend Amber. And we are The Road to Tarvon, a Wheel of Time podcast. Today, we are covering our very first of the Emmons Field Five, Egwene Alvier. And yeah. I know, right? So our aim is to take an in-depth <laughs> look at this beloved and maybe somewhat divisive character. Mm-hmm. There's clearly not enough time to go through her entire story, but we want to focus on her as she is a main character who shows up early. Mm-hmm. And as per usual, the first half of the episode will be spoiler free, but in this case contains minor spoilers for Eye of the World. Mm -hmm. So if you haven't finished Eye of the World, maybe you want to wait a little bit. Or if you don't care about spoilers at all, right? do what you want to do. Yeah, we're not here to tell you what to do. (laughs) (laughs) And then, of course, the second half will be full of big, Big spoilers for the rest of the series. Big spoilers, please. If you care about spoilers, spoilers, don't listen to the second half. (laughs) No. Don't do what I did. Or me. Spoil myself. I don't know if it's a spoiler telling people how (laughs) ruined we are (laughs) after that. But yeah. We are starting out with a little description of Egwene Alvier, and she is the youngest of five daughters mm-hmm. and one of our main characters. Mm-hmm. She's a childhood friend of Rand and Perrin and Matt, and when the series begins, she is only 17 years old. Oh, yeah. Which is something that I always have to remind myself. Me too. Me too. She has big brown eyes and dark brown hair, and when we meet her at Beltine, she has just become old enough to braid her hair which is a sign of womanhood in the two rivers. I love that moment where she like pulls her braid over her shoulder and is like... She shows it off a little bit. Yeah, just yeah. a little. Kind of kind of subtly subtle mm-hmm. for a 17-year-old anyway. Look at my braid. <laughs> this is <Yeah>. my braid. <laughs> but I mean, I don't blame her. I would be the same way. I mean, when I was 17, I was graduating from high school and I wanted to wear my stupid gown everywhere. So one of the things that I think is important to point out about Queen and her life in Emmons Field is actually something Amber had pointed out in one of our past conversations that we've had. And it was that 
And please don't be offended. I'm really going to call Emmonsfield a backwater village. But I mean, as far as things go, <laughs> that's kind of what it is, right? Yeah. Um, so even though she like lives in the middle of nowhere, essentially, she still possessed a higher socioeconomic standard than most of the other villagers. For example, her father <laughs> is Bran Elvier, mayor of Emmonsfield and owner of the Wine Spring Inn, which is the only inn in Emmonsfield. But this isn't the only inn in the Two Rivers, right? It seems like every village kind of has their own inn. I would assume. Yeah. But I mean, still being like the only inn in this village is a big deal. Her mother is Marin Elvier, who is not only well known for the delicious food that comes out of her kitchen and her outstanding hospitality, but she is also a member of the women's circle. So Aguine has a power couple for parents, mm-hmm. essentially. Yes. Yeah. Yes. And the power structure of Emmonsfield is that the mayor is kind of the head of the village council. Mm-hmm. And then he would basically have the most sway amongst the other villagers. Mm-hmm. And the only time that he would have a counter is <laughs> with the wisdom. And so the wisdom is pretty much the head of the women's circle. Mm-hmm. So we've kind of got this equal power structure between the village council and the women's circle. The mayor, Bran Alvier, heads the village council, Mm -hmm. and Nynaeve is the head of, basically she's the wisdom, so we'll get into that later. Yeah. It's definitely an interesting setup how they have things going in the two rivers, and this isn't what you will find once you leave Emmonsfield. It's true. Yeah, it's it's fairly unique in the way that it's set up, at least in the Westlands, I would say. One of the things that I kind of had to wonder is, do you think little tiny Aguine eavesdropped? Like, do you think she was kind of one of those people, considering what we know about her through Eye of the World, that she's this, yeah, like she wants to know everything. So I can just see her being that person who like... She's not a gossip, Mm -mm. but I know she would want to be clued in on any conversation that she thought was important. Yeah, and I mean, if the village council and the women's circle, does the women's circle meet at the inn as well? I just kind of always assumed that they did. I don't really know. Let's just pretend that they do and somebody can call us out later on if we're wrong. (laughs) I like that. Um, But the reason why I ask is that unlike most people in the village, if she had been willing to eavesdrop on those conversations, she would have been one of the few people who would have seen decisions from both sides, which I think gives her a big advantage later on. So mm-hmm. I just couldn't help but think of like this little girl, you know, like um, mm-hmm. Mary Shelley. So Mary Shelley, as a writer, her mother was Mary Wollstonecraft, who was like one of the lead femi- feminists of the time, sometimes considered the first feminist, but they had people in and out of their house all the time. And she would sit under the table and like listen to these conversations, conversations. when she was, yeah, when she was a little girl and she becomes the writer of one of the most famous novels of all time. And we have a Gween who's potentially doing the same thing. And I just think it's darling. So And she has full access to the Wine Spring Inn. Right. So oh yeah, good point. I can imagine she's 
helping her mom in the kitchen a little bit, maybe mm-hmm. bringing out bread, serving some, you know, brandy mm-hmm. here and there to people coming in and out of the inn. So she does have a lot of experience, I feel like, where she would be meeting new and interesting people mm-hmm. because this is where all the travelers are coming through. Yeah. But on the other hand, the Two Rivers is so far out there away from everything else. Mm-hmm. Even though she's got maybe a bigger taste for what the world could look like, mm-hmm. it's still not comparable to someone who has left the right. Two Rivers. Yeah. You saying that they have the Wine Spring in reminds me that they also have the largest. I'm going to use air quotes here, library (laughs) in the Mm -hmm. two rivers. And in Ravens, she even says that her dad has a whole 40 books. And like, that's so cute. Isn't that adorable? (laughs) But I mean, she talks about how much she enjoys reading them. So she also has that access as well as like, because they're an end, because they have these things, there are just certain items that make up her childhood and her backgrounds that I think are really intriguing and kind of worth pointing out because they're subtle. And like when mm-hmm. you dig into the background of a character, they're fun things to kind of poke at and be like, did this have something? Did she maybe do this? Right. Yeah. I love doing that. The wine spring is definitely, I feel like, a big part of her upbringing. She was definitely you know, raised there, and it's a really important location mm-hmm. set within the books. Mm-hmm. And I think it just holds a special place in the heart of Wheel of Time readers. It's one of the first locations that we see. Absolutely. Not only is it the nicest building in the Two Rivers, but the Wine Spring also shares a foundation with an older ancient building. Mm -hmm. So this ground where the Wine Spring sits on has been lived in for a very, very, very long time. Mm -hmm. And I think it's kind of mysterious Mm -hmm. when when you read about that. I didn't know that until I was looking up information about Egwene and the wine spring, but she's definitely got a very cool home life. Yeah, yeah. And it's a nice introduction into the Wheel of Time as a whole and Egwene's story. Yeah, yeah. And let's not forget that they have the nicest roof for miles. I'm I'm pretty sure mm-hmm. it's like slate or something exciting like that. But again, it's not thatched. Yeah, right. It just shows the difference between her upbringing and everyone else's upbringing, where she is the only like their family is the only family that has a non thatched roof to the building that they live in. And that's kind of a big deal if you know anything Mm -hmm. about like thatching and roofing and whatnot and even if you don't it's still let's just take our word for it yeah it just shows (laughs) it just shows how her family is a little bit more well off Mm -hmm. she's not a farmer she's Mm -mm. not doing this type of labor where she's milking cows and Mm -mm. feeding ducks or whatever they do no yeah (laughs) like she probably is responsible for like certain things around the inn but i doubt Mm -hmm. that like she's ever had to take care of the actual farming part yeah like you said yeah and that's actually one of the first things we've gotten to see from the show yeah i remember when i saw it I was just thinking to myself, it looks exactly how I pictured it right? in my head. Yeah. It was the first image that came out from the TV series, wasn't it? Like for the set? I think so. Yeah. 
the the first time I saw it, I remember my heart kind of leapt a little because there has definitely been talk about making Wheel of Time into a visual something for a really long time, and it's never come to fruition. So to see like a set picture, I was like, oh, it's real! Mm-hmm. It's real! It's really gonna happen! So it's a real place, yeah. And I mean, for something that's lived in my brain for so long, to see it as a real place, just like it's weird how something can feel like coming home without ever mm-hmm. having been a real place. So I think you make a really good point pointing out that the wine spring is like really special, not just to a Queens family, but to to a whole heck of a lot of us. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So her family may not have been fabulously wealthy by any of the standards, especially what we see once we're out of the two rivers. But they Mm -hmm. definitely didn't live a life scratched out of the soil like most of the other folks that they lived around. So, yeah, it definitely kind of sounds like that living in the Shire idyllic life that we kind of associate with those Mm -hmm. first few chapters of Eye of the World. And then you pulled this quote that we you said earlier Mm -hmm. from the Ravens chapter. Mm -hmm. And if you're not familiar with the Ravens chapter, it is in a special edition Eye of the World. Mm -hmm. And it's basically for a younger audience and it's from Egwene's point of view when she's just a child Mm -hmm. and we're going to be referencing it here quite a bit Mm -hmm. because I think it's really important and it's a really good insight into who the character is. I know this chapter is in the young adults version it's also in the 30th anniversary edition which is really nice because I have that so I was finally able to read it but I think like through this chapter, we get ideas of who she is, even in that very first paragraph that was read at the beginning, that she was not here to play, mm-hmm. just gets me. It just gets me. Like, she is not hasty. She's determined. She's willing to stand on her own apart from her peers, really, who are all like, I mean, when I was a kid, all I wanted to do was sit and read a book someplace and everyone else was off playing and doing things outside. And I was like, I'm going to do this thing instead. And I feel like a queen knows herself well enough that even at nine, she's really intentional about standing on her own and throughout the entire chapter she is questioning over and over again the world she lives in and what her role in it will be and I just grabbed a couple she wants to cut her hair short as short as the boys and she knows of course there's no way her mother would stand for that because of course women girls in the two rivers grow their hair long and then braid it to show that they're women so how can she have that braid if she has short hair she doesn't understand why the men are allowed to wear their shirts unlaced and go without their coats when the women were working just as hard doesn't make any sense like and when you're a child and you haven't like kind of developed or understood like she's at that perfect age to be between knowing and not knowing so Mm -hmm. that question of why do they get to do it but I don't and then she's questioning marriage even at this point the the quote from in Raven says she wanted to see those lands Jane Farstrider had written about how would a husband feel about that about his wife going off to strange lands nobody ever left the two rivers as far as she knew I will, she vowed silently. And so it's not even that she's thinking about having a husband, 
But what would that husband think about her being a person other than what she's expected to be? And Mm -hmm. at the same time going, you know what? I'm still going to do what I want anyway. Like, I will. This quiet little nine-year-old vow to something greater later on. And Mm -hmm. I just love that. The other thing that I noticed in the chapter is she's always looking but not looking for someone. And the first group of people she's not looking for are her sisters. They all sound awful, but I think that could also just be the opinion of a (laughs) nine-year-old girl. I think that's Mm -hmm. fair. There are a couple different interactions that Aguin is either a part of or kind of oversees while she's trying to not be seen by her sisters. But her sister Louise at one point is facing down Dad Copland and Oh, those Coplins. Those Coplins and Congers, man. They're just bad news. But Dag's throwing a fit over how the clippings from his sheep are being sorted and Louise is not having it. She explains to him as though he were a child how the process goes and offers a solution. Maybe my father can explain it to you better than I can. And she also follows it up with like, or my mother. So she knows a thinly veiled threat right yeah and i love like i think this says a lot about all of these children Mm -hmm. of alviers is they know that they have this power source behind them and that they can lean on it if they need to so i think that says a lot about who aguin is going to become because there's just this confidence in all four of these or five, sorry, there are five daughters. Mm-hmm. One of the things that I found particularly interesting, and I did not know this, is that all of her sisters, and possibly even Marin, could have been taught to channel. And at least two of them could have been almost as strong as the queen. And that just kills me. How much potential is there in her family, that's like five for five. That's all of them. They could all have become Aes Sedai somehow. What the what? And then the last person that she's looking for but not looking for is Rand. And then I, I have like two quotes here. A quick look around told her that none of the other boys in sight was anyone she wanted to speak to. Not that she was looking for a particular boy to speak to, of course. She was just looking. And then later she sees one of the other village girls making eyes, making eyes at parents. Like doe eyes. Yeah, 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 yeah. And <laughs> Who she, wouldn't? I've, I've heard he's pretty. Like even her sister like comes up behind Aguin and is like, why are you staring at him? I've heard other girls say he's pretty, but why are you staring at him? You know? But So anyway, Aguin notices this other girl making half eyes at Perrin and is like, she would never, what was it? She would never be fool enough to make big eyes at a boy like some kind of woolhead. And first off, anytime somebody uses the word woolhead, I just fucking love it. But I mean, haven't we all been that fool at some point and thought that we never would be? So it's just... It's endearing that she's just this young girl on the verge of becoming a young woman. I think it's interesting, too, that she is the youngest. And I'm not saying she has the younger child syndrome, Mm -hmm. but I feel like she kind of does. I think (laughs) so. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I'll do what I want. Don't tell me what to do. Mm -hmm. Like, it's not necessarily a bad quality. Mm -mm. It's just someone who's trying to carve out their own independence. Yeah. Yeah. 
and like has to prove herself because mm-hmm. she has yeah. like four siblings ahead mm-hmm. of her who all have their various personalities and accomplishments or whatever and she's like damn it how am I gonna oh stick my gosh myself that's out? a that's a mirror for Elida and Elida have the same situation yes kind of. I didn't even think mm-hmm. about that because hmm. Elida was the youngest mm-hmm. She came from a noble house, but not like a... Mm-hmm. Like a minor noble. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not saying the Alviers are nobles in any means But necessary. I mean, as but far as like... The two rivers go. Yeah. Yeah. They they're as close as you can get. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Very intriguing. I like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I think you're onto something. But then at the end of the chapter, Gwen does a bit of a reflective fast forward if that makes sense. Like, she comments on how she moves past wanting to hear the stories from the adults, although she still dreams and reads of faraway places and foreign people. And I think the chapter ends up with something like her thinking, whatever happened back in the time of the Age of Legends anyway, and then it just kind of moves into... Fades out. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, it does really have that feeling to it where it's, like, perfectly setting up what we all know as like the original prologue for the series and Mm -hmm. yeah but i do think that the ravens chapter especially since it's from a queen's point of view gives us so much about her that we may not have had without it really because yeah and not everyone has read the ravens chapter exactly yeah yeah and i mean does she have a point of view chapter in eye of the world no so i mean when Jordan goes back and rewrites Ravens, he makes Egwene the first character we meet. And frequently we think of our first character that we meet as our main character. And so right. I have to wonder if like that shift for people who may have read the young adults version first, we're kind of looking for Egwene to be the main character later on. I know I would have been if that... That's interesting. That would have been a letdown if you're starting out the book with her and then you don't get another point of view from her side until later on in the series. Yeah. Yeah. Like there, there are several like POVs that we don't get in like... The first book, but I think once it goes past Ravens, the prologue, and then you get to the first chapter of Eye of the World, it's almost like, oh, well, now it's someone else who's the main character, you know? Mm -hmm. And if you hadn't had the Ravens chapter before that, I think everyone just kind of automatically assumes that Rand is the main character, like, straight out of the game. I did. Yeah. Yeah. I think it's hard to, like, not think that so anyway that was just kind of like some of the stuff about her that I thought was kind of sweet and worth mentioning Mm -hmm. and like defining for her as a character for trying to figure out like what kind of a person can we expect hopefully for Mm Gwen to become later in the series and I mean there are so many things about Gwen that I'm really eager to see in the TV show so like yeah pulling apart a little bit about this before even going to that and even after rereading Eye of the World I for the millionth Madeline time. Madden is the perfect Egwene. <sighs> I'm She's perfect. so excited. I am mm-hmm. seriously really, really excited. Madeline. <laughs> I'm gonna do it again. Madeline. Do it! <laughs> <laughs> I'm not even brave enough to try, so thank you. <laughs> But as we move forward, I think it's fair to say that Egwene is a girl with very big dreams. I agree. And 
She is a tenacious learner and she is confident and headstrong. Mm -hmm. And when we kind of first meet her in Eye of the World, if you haven't read the Ravens chapter, our first clue about maybe her personality is coming from, I would say, her stable, loving home with strong role models. Yes. She's also has another role model in Nynaeve Almira, mm-hmm. who is the village wisdom. And they have a close kinship, but I wouldn't say they are good friends. Mm-hmm. I, I see it more of a kind of like sisterly relationship. Yeah. And the wisdom, if you have no idea, this is probably redundant, mm-hmm. but she, like we said, she's the counterbalance to the mayor. Mm-hmm. So she has equally as much influence, but she's also a healer. And when we meet Egwene, this is what she's training to become. Mm-hmm. So she's basically apprenticing under Nynaeve, mm-hmm. who has arguably the most influence in town besides the mayor. So I see little Egwene thinking like, well, my dad's the mayor and I'm going to be as influential as he is Mm -hmm. when I'm older. Mm -hmm. But with the wisdom, they're kind of like telling the village when to plant their crops Mm -hmm. and healing people. And some of them even have a special talent called listening to the wind. But the wisdom is important. Definitely. Is Egwene ever made like the official apprentice to Nynaeve or is it just kind of like understood that she's been singled out to follow yeah it almost feels like when we get to winter night it's a very new thing for her because she's still kind of being told what to do by Nynaeve Uh like I need bandages go get this go get that Mm -hmm. she seems kind of fresh Mm -hmm. you know what I mean yeah it doesn't seem like she's been doing it for years. <laughs> I agree. I agree. I And Nynaeve hasn't been the wisdom for very long at this point either, has she? Like, she's only... I mean, she's really young for a wisdom anyway. Like, she's 20, 24. We're talking about Nynaeve. Am I getting, am I getting sidetracked? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. I'd have to look that up about Nynaeve's age, but... No, I feel I, like she was probably around. I would guess she was around Egwene's age when she started apprenticing, or even maybe like took over after the old wisdom that died. I think in the Ravens chapter, it does talk about how Nynaeve had been recently orphaned, but I think she had been apprenticed long enough that she was bandaging and doing things and mm-hmm. the wisdom that was alive at the time was there to watch over her. So she was, she had definitely been apprenticed for a while by the time she was a queen's age. Yeah. I mean, it's a big deal. Like this is one of the like highest positions you can have. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I think that Egwene would She puts her all into everything. She does. So I think that she would have been a quick learner. Mm -hmm. And had she not, had she continued with being a wisdom, she would have been a great one. Yeah, I agree. Probably just different, totally different life. I think in some ways she gets what she wanted. Yeah, yeah, Yeah. definitely. 
So there is a part of her character that is, I feel like, very relatable to many people growing up in a small town. Mm -hmm. I was one of them. Mm -hmm. Um, But there is this want or need to see how the rest of the world lives. Mm -hmm. And some people do that by reading and studying. And some people travel. And it's kind of a sign of someone who is not, I don't want to say not content, Mm -hmm. but wanting to learn Mm -hmm. and I like this about Egwene Mm -hmm. some people question the fact that she makes this decision to leave the two rivers in the event of a trollic attack Mm -hmm. and it's kind of reckless Mm -hmm. but it definitely shows how driven she is Mm -hmm. she's gonna seize the opportunity when it comes no one's gonna stop her and consequences be damned Mm -hmm. you know yeah She's not even she's not even too worried about what her family is going to say. She's just I'm out. Yeah. Peace. And I think one of the other things like when I was reading over our notes again last night, one of the things that kind of struck me is that with the Ravens chapter, she's already talking or at least mentally thinking mm-hmm. at 9 that she is going to leave Emmons Field. So And that's that's what the training for being wisdom was. Mm-hmm. She wasn't going to stay in the two mm-hmm. rivers. She was going to become a wisdom and go to a different town Village. or maybe even a bigger city. Yeah. Yeah. So because this was a big step. Yeah. So I think I think like reckless sure, but maybe not necessarily out of the blue like if if she's anything like me and i do feel i i do feel like i relate fairly strongly to a queen if she's like me and she's ready for that next step that is what mm-hmm. she's thinking about like she is always making a plan for that next step and i feel as though this may have seemed like really shitty timing but for her it was the timing the, the time and there yeah. was no one that was going to say no to her not even a full-blown Aes Sedai and her scary as fuck warder was going to stop well, a queen from going if, i don't know although did if, it land like more, start I... to pull his sword <laughs> If Moraine said no, mm-hmm. like flat out no, I don't think there's anything that Egwene could have done. Oh, I know what Egwene would have except done. Except for tried to follow yep. them and probably ended up maybe in dead. a trollic cookbook. Yeah. But <laughs> I think maybe Moraine had the foresight and was like, oh, this girl's going to get herself killed. She might as well come She along. might as well come with us. <laughs> Just take her. Yes, we'll take mm-hmm. this one too. Damn it. She mm-hmm. was like, I'm not a daycare, guys. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Oh, poor Moraine. Yeah. Since we are where we are, I don't really feel a need to like go into any of the stuff from Eye of the World. Do you? Is there any standout moments from Eye of the World that, because there's one for me that I really like, and it is when... The Trollocs are surrounding them. Yes. On every side. Yep. They have left Berlon and there's horns being blown from behind and from the side. And the Trolloc hordes are kind of like pushing them into a direction. And we get this through Rand's point of view. And then we have this brilliant... Uh, cry for Menethrin and Matt <laughs> screaming in the old tongue. And Egwene later on says that she thinks she understands what they were saying. 
but everyone's fighting at one point. Mm -hmm. Rand's got his Heronmarked sword out. Perrin has his axe. And Nynaeve and Egwene both have their belt knives Mm -hmm. in hand. And I don't think that they have to use them because I think Rand says if a Trolloc was close enough I actually, for them to use the belt. Do you have the quote? I have the quote because this is the part that I really like too. So I was like, yes, yes, Amber, yeah. It's uh, okay. what I wrote down was she finds herself in the midst of a battle with thousands of Trollocs. And even though all she has is her belt knife and termination, she faces them with the courage of a daughter of Minethrin. Nynaeve and Egwene rode close to the Aes Sedai with frantic urgency, teeth bared almost as fiercely as the Trollocs, belt knives in hand. Those short blades would be no use at all if a Trolloc came close. And Rand's like, like he's off on his way to like (laughs) save them. And Moraine's like, I got this, got this. But even without that, like Nynaeve and Egwene were not going to go down easy. Good for Mm -hmm. them. Good for fucking them. That is one of my favorite parts, too. Um, And then there is another moment that I really love in Eye of the World that I've talked about before when Lan kind of expresses his feelings for Nynaeve Mm. and then turns her down, basically. Mm -hmm. And Egwene is comforting Nynaeve and then also kind of burning daggers it mat or it lands back, yep. like just giving him the evil yep. stare down. We've all we've and all I'm made like, that. That's those, what I want. Yeah, we've yeah. all made those like, faces. Yeah, like don't you dare mess with my best friend. I will kill you in your sleep. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Yeah. This isn't a scenario that we get from Egwene almost. Ever. Mm -hmm. We don't see a very strong, gentle, loving relationship between her and Nynaeve kind of progress. Mm -hmm. It's kind of left off Mm -hmm. as a more teacher and student dynamic Mm -hmm. where Nynaeve is always a little bit above her Mm -hmm. throughout Eye of the World. And then it's interesting to get this kind of close bonding moment between them because it doesn't it doesn't show up a whole lot. It's a nice tender moment. Yeah, there are a couple places that I can think of, but I think I think you're right overall. The there is like almost a lack of intimacy in the female relationships mm-hmm. a lot of the times. There are I mean there it is there. Oh, we absolutely. get it throughout the series. But it's not I, I feel like it doesn't necessarily reflect reality mm-hmm. like in our world mm-hmm. just because I know how I am with my friends mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. but again I'm not in this situation being chased by monsters right or yeah. you know what I mean I and we have the bias of whoever's point of view yep. is seeing the situation mm-hmm. so yeah for sure I think as far as like point of views from like the chapter I kind of wish that we would have gotten a little bit of Gwen's point of view when they were being held captive by the White Cloaks. Um, mm-hmm. I understand why it's all from Perrin's point of view because, like, he's creating that connection with the wolves and how that's going to work yeah. into the story and whatnot. But I, I, I want to think that a Gwen, for everything that she was going through, was also trying to think of ways to save herself and Perrin, you know? It would have been really interesting to see what was going on inside of her head. Right. 
what plans she was coming up with because Perrin, we get this kind of slow thinking, planning things out very, very calmly taking his time. But mm-hmm. I feel like if we would have gotten Egwene's point of view, it would have been rapid fire. Mm-hmm. I'm going to do this. I could do that. We could do this. We could get out of here by doing this. Maybe mm-hmm. I could try that. Yeah. It would have been fun. Yeah. Been fun. Yeah. Like how often did she try to channel? While she was being held captive yeah. by the White Cloaks. Did she ever think? Or did, or did she think maybe I can't channel because if they think mm. I'm a wilder or an Aes Sedai, they'll just hang me for being On the a spot. Witch. Yeah, good yeah. point. Oh, good point. Yeah. So, I mean, just just these few minutes of like talking about what an Egwene point of view might have been like in that situation. I think there's a lot that happens in that moment. Like she goes from like singing, dancing, laughing, flirting with the tinkers, hooray, everything is wonderful Mm -hmm. to being tied up mentally and physically abused by a bunch of fucking white cloaks. And so this might be, Oh, go ahead. I was just going to say like, how does this impact her for the rest of the series? Because when they join back up with later on with Rand and Matt in Camelin, Rand's observation is that they looked a little worse for the, for wear. But other than that, they seemed fine. And what yeah. really was going inside Egwene's mind? How was she? Because mm-hmm. I mean, I think that's, I think that's a fairly common way of coping is to just push it off, push it off, push it off. But that doesn't mean that she's not lying awake at night, sleepless because of what's happened right. to her. Well, maybe this is maybe this is one of the reasons why people, some people, don't gravitate towards her character. Mm-hmm is because when all of this is going down and we are getting to know Rand and Matt, Matt a little bit less, but we get Matt through the eyes of his best friends. Mm-hmm. So I feel like he's kind of regarded in a, in a higher place. Like, you know what I mean? If you're a boy and you're talking about your best bo- like friends that are guys, you're right. going to build them up and be like, right. they're really great. And we don't really get that from Egwene because she's not like their BFF. She's the girl that Rand kind of has a crush on. Mm -hmm. And I almost feel like this might be one of the reasons why people don't like her Mm -hmm. is because we're not given some of her own insights. We're always seeing her through other characters' eyes. Mm -hmm. Had there have been a little bit more we'd get a better feel for how she is. Mm -hmm. I mean, she definitely has plenty of point of views later on, Mm -hmm. but being chased and attacked and Mm -hmm. showing determination is a really, really strong character point for her. Yeah. But that doesn't... It's a little sad. It's a little sad. Yeah. It doesn't mean that she's not like more than a little broken on the inside. I just can't imagine going through that and not having any kind of trauma response to it. You know what I mean? Yeah, we can, we'll, we'll talk about that. (laughs) We are going to be talking about that. Good. Yeah. I don't think I have. Good. I'm at the same. Yeah. Yeah. As far as non-spoilers go, I think that sums up Egwene pretty well. She's, yeah, let us know she's if you agree, plucky. disagree. Yeah, she is. <laughs> she is. Such a good word. I mean, I'm sure other people don't agree with me, but I love the word plucky. A little plucky agween. <laughs> hey. 
Hey friends, I know this isn't our usual ad. However, Amber and I wanted to share with you that things are growing and we have opportunities for you to help us continue to create quality Wheel of Time content. First, we finally joined the world of Patreon and would love your support. We have four tiers ranging from $3 a month to $25 a month. To thank you for your support, there are perks for each tier, including exclusive merchandise not sold in our Threadless shop. You can find out more about each tier and how you can support us at Patreon backslash RoadToTarvalin.com or just click on the link in the show notes. Second, our Threadless shop is overflowing with beautiful designs and various items to put them on. We have coffee mugs, phone cases, tote bags, notebooks. There are also plenty of t-shirts and tanks for the summer. Third, we love you guys, really. Thank you for all the support you have given and for keeping us company on the road to Tarvalon. I wrote out like a little a little something that I couldn't say for the non-spoiler section. Is it okay for me to kind of like go for it? Yeah. Awesome. These are just kind of my thoughts as I was pulling things together. Aguin, the adventurer, the captive, the student, the unifier, the abused and underestimated. It is honestly a bit intimidating covering one of the very main characters of the series. She is beloved and hated, belittled and exalted, and in the end, she dies to save the world. I personally think that she is a necessary character for the series. She is impetuous, intelligent, driven, deeply flawed representation of humanity that we all needed, whether we knew it or not. Aguin, you are all the things. All the things. All the things. Yeah. So that there you go. <laughs> well, the first thing that stands out to me is that I almost feel like she is the other main character and just what I was saying earlier about not getting her point of view enough in Eye of the World, I think that that hurt her character a little bit. I almost feel like she is the counter to Rand yep. and Egwene is following her own path and her plot isn't as directly related to supporting Rand that some of the other, most of the other characters right, yeah. experience. So it's more her own story yeah. and I like that. Mm -hmm. It lends a balance and kind of a break from this very Rand-centric narrative. Yes. I actually had not thought about this when you wrote it in our notes. I was really intrigued by it because it feels very valid, especially after the addition of the Ravens chapter, to choose a Gween as the person mm -hmm. to give the point of view to after not giving her a point of view at all in Eye of the World, but then giving her such a large role as the series continues. Mm -hmm. It almost feels like a uh, reverse apology. Hey! It does! It does! Should have made you a bigger part sooner. Sorry about that. But I like that she's there. I, I like, like you said, that she is the counterbalance to Rand. She becomes the Amberlin seat, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you don't get higher than that in the Westlands. And with Rand being the dragon, it's kind of the same thing. So it's almost like they are the white teardrop in the dragon's fang <laughs> embodied. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it is really. Egwene has a very long list of standout accomplishments mm -hmm. and I want to go through some of them. Mm -hmm. So she is showcased as highly intelligent from the get go. Yeah. 
you wrote in Ravens, she notices all the Ravens accumulated around watching the men and boys. She sees their strange behavior and tries to tell herself she's imagining things. Yeah. And then you wrote, but... But, and I mean, I do think that that's really astute of her. She just kind Mm -hmm. of, as the chapter goes along, she notices like one raven acting kind of weird. And then she notices a couple acting kind of weird. And then she realizes that there's a large mass of them and that they're watching the men and the boys, not the sheep, but Mm -hmm. very specifically looking at a particular, right? And she's like, oh, that just has to be my imagination, you know? But she's astute. She picks it up. Mm -hmm. Even at such a young age, she picked that up. Mm -hmm. And she is the only one to notice the boys sneaking around in Eye of the World when they're trying to leave with Moraine and Land. Right. She notices it. Yep. And she puts it together and no one else can. Right. So she's shrewd. She's very... She's very astute. She's She's got a good eye for what's going on. Yes. Yeah, I agree with that completely. She does pretty quickly leave her goal of being a wisdom behind, and she starts practicing using the one power under Moraine. Mm-hmm. So she's got this next mentor mm-hmm. in line mm-hmm. now after, you know, her parents, her family, Nynaeve, and now she has Moraine. And she excels in this. Mm-hmm. She's going to be one of the strongest Aes Sedai of her time. Mm-hmm. She's very talented in certain weaves that are not common for women. Mm-hmm. And she just takes bigger and bigger steps as she goes through her story. Mm-hmm. She is not content. If there is a higher position mm-hmm. that she can rise to, mm-hmm. she will take it. Right. She wants it. She wants Mm -hmm. that. Um, Something I hadn't really thought about with Moraine being a mentor for her, I frequently space this, that Moraine is a legit noble. Like, could have been queen of Kyrian had Mm -hmm. she allowed it to happen. So Aguin is now getting tutelage from an Aes Sedai and a noble. Like... Mm -hmm. What a thing to be able to step into. Like, for a girl who is 17... Can you imagine? She's probably been thinking Nynaeve is the shit her entire life. Moraine shows up, yep, puts Nynaeve in her place, and she's like, sorry, Nynaeve, (laughs) I've got a new bestie. Right? There are these things (laughs) I just learned I can do, and I really want to do that. I think for her, she's been thinking that Emmonsfield is not going to be her home for a long time. And Moraine Mm -hmm. offers her an opportunity to become a woman Mm -hmm. of legend basically so Mm -hmm. how can you say no to that you can't really unless you are naive and you're like i don't give a crap like i have other goals so it's just i mean it it depends on what your goals are if and that's the thing though too is where i've seen criticism for Egwene, and i don't think that this is valid but some people say she just wants to be in a position of power over others like she gets something from being in charge or whatever but I see it more as of a like an inner competition with herself Mm. like I'm gonna exceed as far as I can just to see how far I can go Mm -hmm. and not so much like I'm gonna squish everyone (laughs) I can to get there Mm -hmm. but it's difficult because Doing an episode on Egwene is really difficult for me because she is not a character that I love. Mm-hmm. But I 
really enjoy her story. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what makes her such a great character. But you had written here her rapid rise from novice to accepted. Mm -hmm. Yeah. This is also really interesting because now she's in the tower. Mm -hmm. She's getting her lessons. Mm -hmm. And not only that, but she gets a little bit extra, doesn't she? Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Right before she goes to get tested. I mean, like, right before she goes to get Mm -hmm. tested, Varen hands her the stone dream Tarangriol. And what kills me about this is that Varen knows the dangers mm-hmm. of Teleronriad, and yet she's like, hey, here's this thing. It's going to get you exactly there, and uh, it's just going to be you. Good luck. Have fun. I mean, I think she was doing it to help Egwene, uh-huh. but I also think that she could use that excuse of, oh, I'm putting her in a very dangerous situation to justify it. To to her black Aja heart. Right. Yeah. Right. I was kind of thinking about that last night too. I'm like, is this is this Black Aja Varen? Is this fairy godmother Varen? Godmother Varen. Yeah. Bippity boppity boo. <laughs> which, yeah. which Varen are we getting here? And maybe mm-hmm. it's a little bit of both because, you know, this introduction that she gets through the stone, Tarangriel just like reinforces and enhances her ability to be able to dream later on to me that's that's really interesting but then the other thing about her this rise from novice to accepted she passes as a full sister when her and elaine and nynaeve are all traveling away from the tower she poses as a full sister she's maybe 18 at this time maybe Mm mm-hmm and people buy it. So I don't see that as as impressive as maybe some of the other things. Oh, just no. Because okay. of that, just because of that moment in New Spring where Moraine is doing the same thing. Mm-hmm. And the only person that catches it is the Ogier. So like Moraine, I don't know. Moraine is a little bit different because she is a noble. I'm sure she would carry herself a little bit differently. Right. But I think that people are pretty flustered to be in the presence of an Aes Sedai mm-hmm. that they wouldn't even, they wouldn't try to size her up anyways. <laughs> I mean, I don't know. I would be scared to come in contact with an Aes Sedai and be like, oh, hi, excuse me. Like, just get out of their way. Right. You know I, mean, I mean, it is, it is someone who can channel and they all yeah. they all three have the rings and at least most people are aware of what the rings mean. It's just with and maybe this isn't so much like a list of something that's impressive. Maybe it should have gone in a list of things that are kind of questionable like how the fuck did she pull that off? Maybe it's the combined group of all three that's, of them. That's a good point. We have Bossy Nynaeve, the daughter heir of the daughter heir of Andor. <laughs> A green very easily could pass under the radar behind those mm-hmm. two. That makes total sense. Yeah, and I think, too, if you're surrounded by people who are confident, all three of these characters are extremely confident. Truth. So they don't have to be an Aes to be intimidating. <laughs> people would probably get out of any of their way if they, you know... Yeah, Yeah. Egwene holds a certain power in the Two Rivers like Nynaeve does. Elaine is definitely a force to be reckoned with. Yeah, yeah. Interesting. Okay, cool. I'm glad that we talked about it, though, because I was just like, how? How did this young woman, like, what kind of, (laughs) 
what kind of self-possession has she <laughs> gathered around herself? Well, and another thing is, like, at this point, it's past her capture as a domine, which I would imagine would have, whether whether it's talked about in the book or not, hardened her and potentially aged her a bit, even though, like, it was only two months. I can't imagine that two months of torture and treatment from the Shanchen would not have physical taken its toll exactly like that's two months could have felt like two years depending on Mm -hmm. what they they had done to her so maybe that kind of added to it like maybe she has a hardness to her plan yeah i mean i think we do see that hardness in her at various places later on Mm -hmm. and i can think of a couple actually now that we're talking about it that's interesting Mm -hmm. so after she is risen to accepted she seeks out the ideal wise ones and becomes really talented in the world of dreams or a Teleron Riode. And she remains a dedicated student and learns everything she can before she's summoned away. Mm-hmm. And this is another one of those moments where Egwene has been thrust under a new mentorship. Mm-hmm. And this is just her thing. Yep. It really is. She's a brilliant student and one of my favorite green moments actually happens during her training with the IEL wise mm-hmm. ones and she and Avienda they went to go run laps around the not small IEL camp and it is very cold because they're in the waste and they are naked mm-hmm. <laughs> so they also don't have shoes and her and Avienda have like this heart to heart and they kind of talk to each other as they're running and they realize that like the wise ones are kind of using the other woman's accomplishments to push either Aguine or Avienda toward a certain direction. Like they're being compared to each other behind each other's backs. If that makes, does that make sense? Mm-hmm. Yeah. But they go through this and even though Aguine knows she could just stop. She could stop and be done and just not do all 50 of these laps. And she knows Avienda will not snitch on her. She still does it. And Avienda, like, takes this opportunity to kind of show Aguin that she understands Jai Ito. Is that how you say it? Close enough. Yeah, thank you. I I keep forgetting it's however I want to say it. It's however I want (laughs) to say it. But she understands this. And I think that that speaks highly to her determination. Like, if someone told me that I needed to go run 50 laps naked in the cold, I would be like, you know what? It's been really nice meeting you, ladies. I'm going to go back to my tent now. Could you have someone send me some hot tea? Okay. Maybe some usquai? I want I that. I have a different take. I want it. I think when you put another person into the equation, Egwene is like, well, if she can do it, I can do it. That's true. And I think that she's going to be the best water carrier ever. She's going to be the best wise one trainee ever. I don't think that she would lie and just not do it, even though she does lie. I was going to say, are you sure? Because like the next thing that I have to say is about how she she lies. But go ahead, please. (laughs) I don't think that she would shame herself in front of Avienda. Mm Hmm. Well, and I think that's what Avienda's trying to get at, too, by saying that she understands 
Jai Toe because that's one of the things about it is like finding shame and not doing the things that you are expected to do. I mean, I'm not going to try to say that I understand it, but that's like just one of the things that I've kind of like pulled out from it. It's an honor based yes thing yeah and i think that Egwene would have i'm gonna learn how to be the most honorific if it kills me <laughs> you know what i mean like i'm gonna be the most honorable <laughs> you cannot honor me <laughs> yeah don't I mean, you dare right and i mean i think that you're i think that you're you're really on something with that I love how you like pull out all of these things that are like so human. It's not hating on her to point out that it's probably a little bit of everything because I mean, who isn't a little bit competitive? Don't lie. I am. Everyone is. I'm Everyone is. Totally competitive. I just this choose where I want to be competitive. On- yeah, yeah, exactly. I, I know what my strengths and weaknesses are. Mm-hmm. If I can't do something, yeah, I'm probably not going to compete in that no (laughs) i'm not gonna be climbing mount everest anytime soon and it has nothing to do with all of the corpses yes it does it has everything to do with all of the corpses jesus christ people stop climbing mount everest just stop it so putting in this like flawed i have to point out that a queen is 100 percent willing to lie to get what she wants when she does go to the wise ones to learn to dream walk, she goes to them as Gwyn Alvir of the Green Aja. And so mm-hmm. she is lying to them there. And then they tell her that she has to become a student again if she wants to train with them. And she she takes off her ring and is like, you got it. I can totally do this. And they're like, you can't go into Teleron Road without one of us with you. Can we talk about the ring, though? Because she's, yeah, she's not even a full. She's not even a full sister. Yeah. So it doesn't. Another lie. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, of course it was. And I think she even says, I think, like, it's from her point of view that this happens. And I think she even, mm-hmm. like, thinks to herself that it wasn't a big deal because she really was a student. Like, she was already lying to them. She already knew that she was lying to them. Mm-hmm. And so then, like, after they say that she can't go into Teleron Road without a guide, she's like, oh, yeah, sure. That's not a problem. Does it? Yeah. <laughs> Immediately afterwards. <laughs> It's really unfortunate that this face does not translate to audio, because this is about all I've got. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, for fuck's sake. And the, But you know what the best part about this is? The best part is she gets caught. She gets caught. Like, Emise comes, and she finds her in Teleron Riyadh, and... <laughs> She says, you wanted to go off alone. You were warned, but you had to go. Never care for what might be waiting. There are things in dreams to shatter the bravest heart. Things to eat the bravest heart. Yeah! This is where she turns into her Amy's crocodile (laughs) monster, right? Yeah. Loved that. Loved that. Oh, Suck I don't think it. we'll be getting that. I don't think we'll be getting that. Oh, but on God, I, I want to see it. I want to see it. It would probably, you know what? It might not come across very well no. on screen, no. but it is such Mm-mm. a good moment because 
at that moment, I kind of want to paddle her too. Like it's just been lie after lie after lie and I will do what I want. And and at the same time, she's kind of off chasing Gawain. Yeah. And infiltrating his dreams, yeah. which is a little creepy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> she's dream stalking him. Yeah. Once she figures out <laughs> that she can like go to and from other people's dreams and like kind of figure them out. Like she's like. This is a little nefarious. Yeah. She's like, oh, hmm. <laughs> I she mean, does it to she does it to Nynaeve when Nynaeve is having a very private dream. I'm like, girl, that is not cool. It's not cool. <laughs> I can understand the temptation for sure, but it also just feels like, especially if you didn't know like what you were walking in on. I guess. But like, I mean, come you know, on. Still- She's a dreamer. Shouldn't she know that dreams are weird and fucked up and sometimes personal and. Mm-hmm. It's our subconscious more than our conscious yeah. that's putting things together. So it just it sometimes I feel like she's very strongly abuses the things that she's been taught. While at the same time, mm-hmm. she takes the things that she's taught and uses them brilliantly, considering the situation that she finds yeah, herself sometimes, in. Sometimes for the betterment of society and sometimes for her own yeah Half, yeah I whatever we, i mean that is that is one of the downsides of people who are incredibly ambitious is sometimes they just like they will they will think to themselves that they feel otherwise but it's the hitler gene <laughs> <laughs> haven't you heard that about people no. that like excel at the top of their like whatever people that are like in finance that just dominate or like ceos where I'm not calling, okay, I am not calling Egwene Hitler. Please (laughs) do not misinterpret that. But no, it's something where, like, people become ruthlessly at the top of the field that they choose to go to. It doesn't mean, like, they're a bad person, but it means, like, they're so Mm goal-driven and so goal-oriented that they sometimes become not such a great person person along that path i can see that i really can't um aiden and i started watching that becoming a a tyrant show on netflix together recently Mm. and when i haven't seen it but it's very good peter dinklage does the narration for it (gasps) oh he's got a nice voice he does and he's like snarky as he's talking about all Mm -hmm. these terrible things that tyrants have done in like the 20th century but one of the things that Aiden said when we were talking about it, he was like, Mom, I could be a tyrant. And I was like, I think the point is that anybody can anybody be. Anybody can. Yeah. yeah. One of almost the cornerstone pieces that creates a tyrant is their personal belief that what they are doing is for the good of whoever it is that they are being the advocate for and that all of those people are 100% on their side. So there is a very, I'm not going to say that anyone and everyone could become a tyrant, but anyone and everyone could become a tyrant. When you are so Mm goal-driven, so goal-oriented, it's easy sometimes to lose track of, I want to say like... Like your, your humanity... Not so much your humanity, but just like how to be a nice person. There you go. Yeah. Just being a good person as a part of society. Mm-hmm. And I can almost see that a little bit with Moraine as well, because she is so goal oriented. Mm-hmm. And she has moments where I'm like, 
girl. Yeah. Did you just say that? Yeah. That was harsh. Right. Cold blooded. <laughs> but it's not just Egwene. Like, oh, no. We have so many characters that are just diehard, strong, almost superhuman, mm-hmm. doing these crazy things in this wild fantasy tale. So this isn't just a criticism of Egwene. Mm-hmm. It's just, just it's a trait. <laughs> it's a trait worth noticing. This could become a really long conversation, so we don't necessarily have to talk about it, but I have to okay. throw it out there. What mm-hmm. if Egwene had survived the last battle, broken, like, Mm-mm. I mean, think this about what, all of the things. This that, is why she had to die. Right. Think about all of the things. We're going to talk about that later. What if okay. she had become a tyrant post-last battle? What if Egwene became the next possible. big bad? Think if she would have been swooped up by a black Aja sister instead of Moraine and was like, oh, by the way, like the Dragon Reborn is the Antichrist and you are actually like doing the world's kindest, most thing and saving the world in this way. Like she would have been forsaken level. Oh, yeah. Because (laughs) she would have been so good at what she does. She would have been the next land here. I know we don't frequently do like theory ones, but maybe we need to have a what if a green became a tyrant and or forsaken episode. Yes. And we maybe need to bring the Black Tower boys in on that one. Oh, that's hilarious. Okay, yeah. So like as far as accomplishments, um, after she gets to a specific point with the wise ones and mm-hmm. she is summoned away from them to go to Saladar, she has figured out a way to enter Teleronriad in the flesh. And the wise mm-hmm. ones are not crazy about this idea, but they have decided that no. she is perhaps just a tiny bit less foolish than she was when she first arrived. <laughs> And so they just kind of like, yeah, we're not going to come after mm-hmm. you, but we don't really approve. Yeah, yeah, exactly. By doing that, she also begins piecing together how to form the weave for traveling. So I think mm-hmm. that like her becoming a dreamer and a really strong dreamer is a big deal. Doesn't Mogidian give them? Mogidian shows Nynaeve and Elaine. And then when, if I remember this correctly, when Egwene and Nynaeve and Elaine and Mogidian are all together, Egwene stops them from showing her the weave and says, is it like this? And then produces the weave. And Mogidian is like, I didn't show her that. Like, they hadn't seen her do it. I think she figured out from this how to do it okay i think that's how it happened i could just be remaking up the story entirely (laughs) for something that sounds cool (laughs) rewrite i'm not gonna necessarily say that she discovered traveling because i'm fairly certain that avienda at this point has already like snapped open the gateway in ruidian so it's already been used as traveling in the Westlands by someone born of the Third Age. But I think, I think before they show her how to do it, she is like, nope, I can do this. The fact that she figures out how to enter Teleronriad in the flesh is kind of a big deal, even if it's not great for a lot of reasons. And I think it's interesting that she figured out how to do that, but not skimming. Like Rand, instead of figuring out how to mm-hmm. create a gateway, figures out how to skim 
and then figures out how to make a gateway that automatically like pulls those two pieces together. So I find it really interesting that traveling seems really closely attached to Teleron Riot somehow. That was what I had for her, like as far as like Teleron Riot goes. And then I think you had the next point. Okay, this is going to be a big theme with a lot of these accomplishments from Egwene, mm-hmm. but with the help of Nynaeve and Elaine, she brings the kin and establishes contact with all these other groups Mm -hmm. of channelers. And there's also so many things that she does along the way with the help of others. And this doesn't take away the accomplishment. It's not saying that it's not valid. It's just kind of her way of learning. Mm -hmm. She's like an encyclopedia. I find her reaching out and pulling help from other people really wise like yeah me too when you when you can admit that you don't know jack shit about something but someone else Mm -hmm. knows more and you can learn from them that's a really strong characteristic to have a green just does not always utilize it at the right times you know she does a good job a lot of the time sometimes not so much she brings the kin in and establishes all of these other groups of channels which is love something that. yeah and this is something that we have talked about since when we started the podcast with new spring Are you guys like, tired of hearing about always, new spring yeah, yet <laughs> us. but she when she's unexpectedly raised to Amerlin and it's unknown to her at the time that it was done basically by the Black Aja, she keeps Swan Sanche very close. And she this does. kind of helps her navigate the politics of being the Amerlin and the politics of Aes Sedai because it is so unlike I would say like her normal life, what she's experienced growing up in the two rivers. Mm-hmm. The Aes Sedai system is (laughs) tricky. It's like Desdemar on steroids. Yes. She's got Suan there, Mm -hmm. and that's helping her Mm -hmm. immensely. You had wrote this. One of the smartest things that a queen does at this moment when she's raised to Omerlin is recognize that she's being chosen as a puppet and then find women she feels she can trust, in some cases making them swear allegiance to her, and begins to forge a path to become Amerlin in truth. This is this is a groundwork piece again for either greatness or tyranny because her making women swear allegiance directly mm-hmm. to her is not something that any Amerlin has done before. And I think more than one woman expressed how terrifying the prospect mm-hmm. of this really was so madness we need to have this we need to talk about this amber (laughs) i love this idea i love that we flipped the idea of the age of legends being a utopia to a borderline compulsion filled (laughs) dystopia you're welcome everyone (laughs) we're sorry i'm not no (laughs) there's no such thing as utopia sorry it's my pessimistic point of view. <laughs> um, so her becoming Amarillan in truth also ends up with her being a central focus of defense of the White Tower when the Sean Chen attack happened. Mm-hmm. So she obviously cannot have done this alone and she did not do it perfectly, but she certainly was able to like use herself 
and her power as a rallying point of defense that saved the tower from being Mm -hmm. utterly decimated. Because at this point, it was all about Elida's pride and, like, how Mm -hmm. she was treating Egwene. This is why I see Egwene as, I don't want to call her, like, a dictator or something, but she's like a wartime president. Yeah. She comes in and she's like, well, I've got these new rules Mm -hmm. and suck it. Yeah. Yeah. And people aren't happy about it. But at this moment in time, she's trying to root out the Black Aja. Mm -hmm. There wasn't another option, really. Right. Yeah. So this is the only thing that she could do. So we've got this very gray line here that she is crossing over. It's so similar to Elida's path. Because Elida believes that everything that she is doing is for the good of the tower. The best. Mm-hmm. It's a very similar story taking place, a very interesting contrast between these two characters that could almost be on a parallel path had things been a little bit differently. It's kind of scary. I see a green in a whole new light now. Yeah. This is so, this is really fun. So she's Propping up the tower with a whole bunch of new recruits. Mm -hmm. Also, this is a great accomplishment, but I think her biggest is actually just creating the flame of Tarvalin Mm -hmm. weave. And the seed was planted by Perrin Mm -hmm. when he blocks Balefire in Teleron Rio. It's just a weave. Exactly. So later when Egwene is facing off against Mazarim Taim at the last battle, she creates this weave and it kind of cancels out and reverses Balefire, and it's epic. <laughs> I mean, there's not really another word for it. The way that that scene goes down <laughs> is very... I'm sorry, uh, there may be one other word. Just one. What? Exquisite. Exquisite? <laughs> I say that all the time now. Exquisite. Sorry, sorry. Um, I just could not, could not help myself. It's the way that it is written. Oh, yeah. Is her soul leaving her body and then kind of being like sucked up into the light it's very like ascendancy yeah yeah it's almost a little heavy-handed in my opinion it is and at the same time she is one of the few deaths in the last battle that i kind of felt like sadness and peace around if mm-hmm. that makes sense. Like, there were so many deaths yeah. that happened that I felt like, like, especially Swan's death. Cut short. Yeah. Like very... It was like, oh, oh. Like, I almost missed Swan's death because I was, like, almost skimming through that section. And I was like, she deserves better, regardless. With mm-hmm. Egwene's death, with what happens to her, I, I didn't pull the quote for it because I figure... It reminds me of, like, beatification, like, mm-hmm. when you're picking a saint. Mm-hmm. Like, it was almost too saintly for me, where I feel like that doesn't sum up Egwene. Like, I want her to, like, come out of this like a warrior, Mm -hmm. not like an angel. Yeah. It is kind of cool that she becomes a crystal. (laughs) I mean, there's that. I don't, but I also don't know what that means. Like, is her body there encased in a giant crystal? Has she, like... More like a stone statue. Yeah. Have they like sliced her through like that moment in some movie somewhere? We're getting I'm getting off topic here. (laughs) Same. Let's head back towards the queen. Okay. Um, I have one thing that I feel like should have been her accomplishment and only hers. And I know this is not a popular 
idea, but I don't care. So. <laughs> and I love you for when, that. I love yeah. you for that. <laughs> she makes this decision herself to root out the Black Aja. Mm-hmm. This is probably one of my favorite storylines. Mm-hmm. And I wish it would have gone a little bit differently mm-hmm. because she gets this list from Varen just dropped in her lap. Mm-hmm. Like it it was just too easy. And of course, like the moment with Varen is awesome. Yeah, it is. it's this whole like, <laughs> I don't know. For me, this whole thing in my head the whole time is, is she or isn't she Black Aja? So I wasn't, like, gobsmacked with the scene. I was like, oh, okay, that explains it. Mm-hmm. Moving on. But Gwen's storyline is starting out when Swan, I feel like, tasks her with the Black Aja, and that's when all of the drama and excitement starts happening. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that's kind of where we get this first, like, crazy story of her own mm-hmm. like this is Egwene's storyline mm-hmm. now and I would have loved to see her put this information together on her own and use her own cleverness and her own skills mm-hmm. and have this achievement saying like I did this it wasn't just given to me it wasn't just handed to me mm-hmm. and she's also like this wartime Amerlin mm-hmm. so like this would have been her big sweep clean of the tower what has what has been bothering me since the beginning of this series Mm -hmm. where i'm like oh these black aja people are just everywhere and they've infiltrated it and they've been chipping away at this institution since before the series has even started yeah like 2000 years right yeah so i feel like this would have brought Egwene's storyline to a complete circle Mm -hmm. like this would have been the full character arc and then the the flame of Tarvalin would be like the icing on top of the cake. Mm. And someone said online that Egwene already has too much accomplishments. She doesn't need another one. But I am going to disagree because I think the majority of her comp- accomplishments are done with the help of others. Almost all of them. Yeah. So had she have gotten this one like notch on the belt to call her own, yeah. I would have loved it. The only thing that sucks about that is it would give Varen absolutely nothing to do. <laughs> Which to me in itself is, I don't know. I just, I don't know. I don't know how they're going to do Varen. We haven't gotten a Varen yet. I hope we get a Varen, but at the same time, I don't want it to be exactly like the books because I've, I want to be surprised. I've loved some of your suggestions for Varen. I think they've been so good. I'm like, yeah, I'd watch that. <laughs> And to quote, I was talking about this with Rob from Algier Talks. He said, Rafe told us to gird thine loins. Like, there are going to be big changes. I'm not saying that not having Varen is one of these big changes. But, but if it, it happens, happen. like, I'm I'm preparing myself. I'm kind of preparing <laughs> myself for anything. I'm trying to keep yeah. myself as open-minded as possible. I'm trying to mm-hmm. watch things that some of the actors have been in so I can kind of like get a feel for them. You can't have this Varen moment twice. Once you know what happens, there's no surprise. Yeah. Like the surprise is gone. Yeah. And this is what Game of Thrones did with the Red Wedding. Yeah. I had read the entire series. When we got to the Red Wedding episode, I was like, yep, I know what's going to happen. 
wrong. I did not know it was going to happen. In the books, they did not kill Rob's pregnant wife. <laughs> when I watched that on screen, I was shook. Mm-hmm. Like, I was shook. I did not think that that was going to happen. So, yeah, that's a, I mean, many people have criticized criticize game of thrones for just doing things for the shock of doing things shocking but (laughs) it was shocking i mean you know what sometimes those things work like unfortunately or not i don't know we as humans are kind of drawn towards horror and gore and like tragedy and i think with varen it's totally different because it's just this mystery Mm -hmm. it's this big mystery you can't give us the mystery twice Mm. no for for people watching the show it might be cool but how much time are they gonna have to build varen up in six maybe four episodes however many she appears on yeah to get people talking about is she isn't she yeah you know like i don't know yeah because if you don't do that and she ends up having this role for a queen everyone's gonna be like who is this person where did they come from so i mean i can absolutely see like from a writer's perspective from a show perspective needing to remove her but from like the book perspective Mm -hmm. For me, I never questioned whether or not Varen was Black Aja, but I wasn't really like a full-blown Black Aja hunter until <laughs> right <laughs> until very recently. <laughs> Took up the mantle, started going after him hardcore. That was, no, that was like I think that's why mm. another reason why I love the Great Hunt so much because as soon as I got into the Great Hunt, I was like, who is this? Yeah, who does she think she is? Mm-hmm. She is lying. She is being shady. When you She's told me suspect. how you felt about her, I was like, "What? I can't. I can't say anything. I can't tell you how right you are right now." But anyways, back to Egwene. Yeah, 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 like, yeah. I mean, Varen is a really important part of what Egwene is able to accomplish as far as like purging the last of the or like purging the Black Aja as best was, she could. Like, it, well, it was just about perfect. Yeah. You couldn't dream up a better scenario. No, here's for Gwen in this here's point. Here's a like, list. Here you go. Yeah, I, I I made this for you. And in this case, it meant a lot of people dying. Which I have yeah. to I have to say, this is one of those places again, benevolent, like ruler or potential tyrant, because everyone's executed, all of them. Yeah. Just I mean, mm-hmm. I can all I can imagine is. Like there is no trial. Kachunk. Kachunk. Yeah. Yeah. That's what I see them lining them up at a guillotine. Yeah. Just like one One after after another. I mean, how many did they how many did they end up gathering? It's over 30 something. I think it's over 50. Like from within where they were, I feel like it was. We'll have to find out at some point because I'm sure Mm -hmm. we'll talk about this again in the future. But like that, the fact that a did that and oversaw it, she didn't give the decree and then walk away she hung Mm -hmm. out until the whole thing was done and Mm -hmm. that's like damn girl brutal yeah can you imagine how much blood i mean literally how much blood was it's a whole lot of gore billing over whatever Mm -hmm. ground they were working on do you think they just like whipped up air and water and like cleaned it off like i would hope they did something it's just it's so weird this is Ooh, now I'm just picturing this, if they're going to do it on this show. Wow, we... Oh, God! Yeah, like, we might see this, Tracy. Like, this, we might see this. 
I'm gonna move on just because we're getting a little Why? bit, a little bit heavy on time here. Why on earth? Why on earth would you cut a conversation about a Gweed short? This is like we're we are moonlighting as like a horror podcast, crime podcast right now. So I think one of the the last things that I wanted to mention about like accomplishments for a Gween mm-hmm. is just her and Elaine and Nynaeve being sent off to hunt the Black Aja and that they were yeah. tasked with this as young as they were. I think Sw- Swan's decision in this definitely comes from her time as an accepted. Are you going to say it? I said as an accepted. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone knows what I'm talking about, but I didn't. We just need a reel where we're like in the new spring. Okay. Anyway, I think that I think in some ways this was really horrible of Swan to do. Like they are barely trained. They have barely spent any time in the tower. And now she's like, by the way, run along, children. (laughs) Try not to get killed. That was exactly the pep talk she gave. <laughs> but this True. Is, this is why I think, I don't know, this is why I think that had Egwene rooted out the Black Aja on her own, like this, I don't know, for me that just feels like it should have been hers. Yeah. I don't know. It feels like something that would have come. Please forgive me to everyone who loves Varen. I love Varen. I don't even... Yeah, this is the thing. Like, I actually, like, I don't even love Egwene. Like, I don't even love her. And I'm taking this thing that people love about another character and I'm giving it to her. Yeah. I'm awful. You're wonderful. You're wonderful. Thanks. You're welcome. Thanks. Okay, should we okay. should we move on to this? Because I love, yes. I love that you put this in here as a topic. And this is, I'm going to try and kind of, like, dial it back because this is... Something that I picked up throughout Egwene's journey, and it's heavy. Yeah. She's she's this reoccurring victim to abuse and torture and enslavement. Mm-hmm. And I kind of want to look at all of this abuse and how it's used as a literary device. Yeah. So first off, you helped me write all of these because some of these <laughs> were yours. Some of them were mine, but I'm just going to read them just do it. straight There's down the list. There's so many. Yeah, she's imprisoned by the White Cloaks. Mm-hmm. She's enslaved and tortured by the Shan Chen, captured by the Black Aja and Tyr, beaten, used as bait, and told that 13 Murdral <laughs> will be used to turn her. She's arguably being used to hunt the Black Aja, which is kind of not necessarily using her as bait again, mm-hmm. but kind of is. Mm-hmm. That's abusive. It really, <laughs> You're putting it really, this young really child is. in yeah. this situation. Yeah, they're not trained she's for not this. not a young child. Yeah, not a young child. Mm-mm. She's a young woman. Yeah. And, yeah. and even before they, like, hit Tyr, because that's where they're on their way when they're, like, hunting the Black Aja for their first time, they're mm-hmm. kidnapped, knocked unconscious, and almost handed over to a fade. Thanks, yeah. Swan. Yeah. She is tortured with headaches by Halima. Mm-hmm. She is attacked by Elida and bloodied. She's cut open and bled. Yeah. And then lastly, she is given daily beatings by the Mistress of Novices for an extended amount of time within the White Tower. Mm -hmm. So we have to look at all of these events and try and think about how it's used Mm -hmm. to push the story along Mm -hmm. and what it means for Egwene and what it means for her character 
and how she is as a person, Mm -hmm. I feel like a lot of it is kind of gratuitous. Mm -hmm. The only one that I firmly believe like should be in there without a doubt is the last example Mm -hmm. because when she's in the tower, she's reclaiming her seat as the Mm Amarlin and she gives into the beatings and it's with poise and dignity and it's done masterfully. (laughs) Yeah. But there was there was agency here. Mm-hmm. She was free to walk away from it, mm-hmm. but she doesn't. Mm-hmm. So I think this really showcases her strength and all the lengths she will go to to fight for what she thinks is best. Mm-hmm. But if you look at all of the incidents that happen as a whole, it's hard not to expect her to have this like long-lasting internalized trauma mm-hmm. that we so often equate to Rand, like when he's captured yep. in the box. Mm-hmm. And I think people forget about what all Egwene has gone through yes. because she does wear a face of calm. Mm-hmm. She's an eye at eye, so we don't see. Mm-hmm. It's kind of hidden from us as mm-hmm. the readers. But Even her point of views don't go into the things. Reflect so much. Exactly. Yeah. yeah, like it's almost as though she hides it from herself. Yeah, it's like compartmentalizing yes. almost. Yes, yeah. But I... Before I go a little bit further, I just want to say, like, this isn't to criticize Egwene yeah. or Robert Jordan. Mm-hmm. It's just something that's within literature that it might be worth talking about. Mm-hmm. And it is really nuanced, and it's kind of this evolving discussion that's fairly new as far as the past, I don't know, five years mm-hmm. where people are really kind of, like, thinking about examples of abuse within literature like is it okay Mm -hmm. is it too much Mm -hmm. like where do we draw the line Mm -hmm. and I'm not really going to give my opinion on where I think it's too much or okay Mm -hmm. but I kind of just want to talk about like maybe how this is affecting Egwene as a character Mm -hmm. so so many of our characters experience this trauma and pain but Egwene, for the most part, like we said, appears to kind of have it under control. Yeah, she just seems to kind of, I don't want to say blow past it. Like, that seems a bit extreme. But she Mm -hmm. does seem to bounce back really fast. Mm -hmm. And that doesn't feel realistic for what she's Mm -hmm. gone through. Like, hooray resiliency. Unless it's all internalized and we're not seeing it, but then that does the readers a disservice because then we don't know what she's really experiencing. Mm -hmm. So it's a very difficult thing to write. This is not something easy to do Mm -hmm. and there's questions around it. But I think it's possible that all of the beatings and the torture was an attempt to showcase like her growth Mm -hmm. and strength Mm -hmm. by like overcoming, but... I'm not sure if she truly does showcase that because at some point she turns from victim to abuser. Yeah. And you like you had put in our in our notes, did she overcome it? Question mark. And I like after I printed this all out last night, I like wrote a little arrow and all caps underlined three times. No, I really Mm. don't think she did. In fact, I think she was only able to find the flame of Tarvalon because she was so broken and i think i think maybe in some ways that was her also releasing the dam of pain and this is such a great point yeah such thank a you great point. like i just i feel like 
Okay, so and I'm not trying to I'm not trying to paint her as anything. Like no, I don't no. know what she was. I don't know if Robert Jordan was like she's a survivor mm-hmm. or she's a victim. I don't know how exactly he wanted us to see her. Yeah. We're just guessing. Yeah. Here. And I mean, I think for me, I tinge it a lot with like my personal experiences mm-hmm. and the things that I've gone through. And I think that that's how we all approach reading and how we understand things. And if you're alive, you've survived something. So I think we can all kind of understand what it means to like hit something so hard you didn't know if you were going to bounce mm-hmm. back from it. And Aguin definitely has hit that like straight from the beginning of the series. She yes. goes through this. It's almost like every book. You're like, what's Aguin going to go through this time? Yeah. You know, mm-hmm. like she, what trauma? Yeah, yeah. Next. And I think that like her her blazing ending was an acknowledgement, a release of pain and all of the things that she had just mm-hmm. experienced. Like how many friends of hers had died. Her warder mm-hmm. slash husband was dead. Like, see, this is another reason why I think her relation like a lot of people don't like Gawain. I, I understand that. Um but like I'm looking at their relationship as Egwene being so afraid to commit to someone and not knowing if they're going to potentially be okay for her. Like how this relationship is going to affect her as a person. Mm -hmm. Is it going to make her weaker? Mm -hmm. Is it going to make her stronger? Mm -hmm. I don't see Egwene as someone who likes to lose any control. (laughs) Due to the fact that she has been imprisoned so many times. So it's kind of like the survival mechanism. Mm -hmm. And I think that's one of the reasons why her relationship with Gawain is a little weird. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people are like, "Eh, the relationship, it doesn't make a lot of sense. And I don't know, like... In some cases it does, in some cases it doesn't. Yeah, because, I mean, she needs, like, in a lot of ways... Being human is the need to be cared for, the need to be touched, the the need to be able to trust Mm -hmm. someone. And she pushes him away so often from this idea of being a warder. Like, she's not cool with it at first. But I think there's, like, that fear, like, how that could potentially hurt her, Mm -hmm. you know? She loses him, which she does. Mm -hmm. But to pull back towards what I had said about at one point kind of goes from being a victim to being an abuser. And this is when she uses Mm -hmm. her position in Teleron Road over Nynaeve and she attacks Nynaeve to teach her a lesson rather than risk the wise ones finding out that she's been lying to them. And to me, I was kind of just like, yeah, I was kind of like, it almost feels like a defense mechanism, like a coping mechanism that she's assaulting someone who genuinely really cares about her and kind of like repeating the cycle of abuse. Well, one of like gameplay, whatever you want to call for like somebody who is leaning in a tyrannical direction is no one is safe. And sometimes it's your very closest friends that get taken out first. And this is like, and so, I mean, I know this sounds kind of awful, but like Nynaeve trusts Egwene. Egwene has Mm -hmm. now done something that should have kind of like broken that trust, but instead Mm -hmm. it feels like it flipped a power dynamic. And Mm -hmm. so now Egwene kind of feels like she's 
like on top yeah, yeah like there are a couple instances where like they are interacting together in Teleron Riyadh and the wise ones are there and like a queen will like raise an eyebrow or something to like make Nynaeve mm-hmm. not say what she thinks Nynaeve is going to say next and mm-hmm. like a reflection of hers later on will be about how she's she likes how these these tables have turned I don't know if Robert Jordan meant to like leave little seedlings for us that she right, might become right. a tyrant but looking at it like through this conversation is she's been imprisoned <laughs> Hitler yeah. Stalin both imprisoned both exiled both became hardened violence mm-hmm. is the way to get shit done kind of people because of it oh my god we're gonna get destroyed for this episode Twitter is gonna talking hate about us. Hitler. <laughs> I threw in Stalin. <laughs> no, but okay. I I just want to pull away from you that. You don't think a that that bit. helped the Stalin? No. But what I want to say is that when we go back to this moment between her and Nynaeve, she has toe to Nynaeve, and this is what she has been being taught by the wise one. It even accepts. Right. And then at the end, like, she's like, oh, like, I have toe and then takes her beatings and was like, I've learned everything I can. And now I'm gone. But considering what she did to Nynaeve, there's no mention of toe. There's no mention of apology. It's never really brought up again. So, like, I don't know if this was meant to be what it was. I'd prefer that it was just completely left out or the situation would have been where Egwene pulls an Amy's and turns into a monster or something to scare her. Or, you know, just anything, anything besides what happened. Yeah, It's a very nuanced conversation, and I hope that I have done it justice because (laughs) I don't honestly feel 100% comfortable talking about it because it is so intense. Yes. But, I mean, The Wheel of Time is not a book for children. It really is not. There are some very scary moments and I think it's fair to look at all of these moments that are hurled at Egwene Mm -hmm. and discuss you know how did it affect her Mm -hmm. how did she overcome it Mm -hmm. is it fair to criticize her based on what we know she experienced is it gratuitous and these are all questions that I'm not really sure I know the answer for yeah yeah me neither but I do think that there are definitely like indications that anything is possible you know and I I, I have to agree with you on the that one particular conversation with Nynaeve. I feel as though if a queen had taken more of a equal approach to it, like talking to her instead of scaring mm-hmm. the shit out of her, that they could have moved into different power dynamic but where they're working with each other instead of a queen Mm -hmm. feeling like she's got like something over Nynaeve and so there's like almost there's almost a tyrant feel to it yeah it's it's almost like this unwillingness to give up any control because you've been imprisoned you've been tortured so it's like you never want to be in a position where someone can hurt you like that again Mm -hmm. so you're gonna put yourself in a position where you can't get hurt. Yeah. And I mean, she does, I mean, she puts off like bonding Gowan and like having him close for a while. Right. And I think she was right to do it. But -hmm. at the same time, like what happens in the end? Like, yeah, probably her biggest fear. Yeah. Yeah. 
Definitely. And then, like you said, maybe this big moment at the end was her letting go of it. And maybe this is how we are supposed to see her and see her final growth, see how much she has truly become and what she was able to do mm-hmm. and finally put to rest yeah. and put aside. Yeah. And it, that makes her one of another, like, such a tragic, tragic character. But again, like, what an awesome story, right? Definitely. Like- <laughs> it, it really, for me, it is one of my favorite storylines is watching a green become the person that she becomes for me i think it's really interesting because i did read about a queen when i was roughly her age and so i saw it very different on my first time read through than i did when i was older reading through it i have more concerns about her at this point but i also think that ultimately she wanted the best for everyone and that can go either yeah, good I or think, bad i think she did too yeah i think she did too yeah I don't know. I think I think That's... we have another episode on our hands. Thanks so much for joining us. We will continue to release new episodes every Wednesday. We would love if you would subscribe to the podcast, leave us reviews, and share us with your friends in the Wheel of Time community. Let us know what you thought of our content. Correct us. Send us things we may have missed. You can find links to our email and social media accounts in the show notes. And if you have the Anchor app, leave a voice message for us to play in upcoming episodes. We also have a website where you can find links to our Discord channel, social media platforms, and merch shop. So until next week. Thanks for joining us on the road to Tarvalin.